It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in again to the Better Faster podcast. Today, you just get me. Brandon is um, a little under the weather, um, you know, having two kids at home. I am not surprised. I'm sure uh, they, they bring a few things home from daycare, that kind of thing. So, unfortunately, Brandon won't be joining us, but I do have a special guest we're going to be interviewing today, and I may be a bit biased, but I do think this may be the prettiest guest we've ever had. Um, she is also my better half, so I'm so happy to have uh, my beautiful wife, Kelsey, on today to talk a little bit about kind of what she does and uh, how some of the aspects of what she does as a clinical social worker uh, carry over to kind of what we're trying to do in the uh, PT or health and wellness space in terms of uh, creating relationships with clients and, and ways to really promote uh, behavior change and that kind of thing. So first, Kelsey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. This is um, my podcast debut, so I'm very excited to uh, be here. Yeah, I know. I think it was good when I was thinking of what I wanted to chat about this this week, knowing that it was just going to be me. I was like, you know what? There's so much uh, conversation that we have about some of these topics and how they relate to each other. And, and you know, I bounce ideas off of you and, and we have you know great conversations that I think would benefit everybody talking about, uh, you know, ways to really... Uh, you know, connect with these clients and help create this change. So if you could, for the listeners, can you tell them kind of, you know, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a clinical social worker here in um, Columbia, South Carolina, um, and I work for um, a local agency here. Um, and I primarily provide both individual and group counseling to adolescents and young adults. So it's anywhere kind of from age 11 or 12 um, up until 25. Um, and I primarily work around, um, you know, seeing patients or clients that um, uh, around kind of substance use issues. And I also provide some trauma-based services as well. Um, so I definitely think, um, you know, Josh and I, um, we, you know, we we're like you were saying earlier, we spend a lot of time kind of like talking about how, you know, pieces and parts of my work kind of relate to PT in a sense in terms of like building that relationship with that patient. Um, a lot of sort of similarities when we think about like motivational interviewing, um, kind of like the use of CBT. So yeah, um, so I think there's definitely a lot of kind of connection there between both PT and what I do day to day as well. 
Yeah, and I think we've talked about it on here before. Um, and I love the saying. I don't know where I got it, and I know um, my our buddy Riley talks about it all the time. It's like they don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. And creating that relationship and that alliance with the patient, the client, whoever it is you're working with, is is a huge part of the battle. So, um, if you could, could you kind of walk me through what are some of your keys or the your things that you think are the most important when it comes to developing that rapport or that alliance with that patient? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So for us in kind of the world of therapy or clinical social work, or clinical social work, we refer to that as therapeutic rapport. Um, and that starts, you know, right as soon as you meet um, a patient or a client. So that first interaction is where you're beginning to build that rapport. Um, so for me, I kind of have maybe kind of three points that I feel like would be helpful just in terms of um, kind of what I try to do day to day. And also uh, it might be kind of helpful in terms of relating that to PT. So kind of the first piece of that is um, empathic listening. So, um, you know, listening is one of those skills we all sort of you know, assume that we have down. That's a pretty easy, straightforward skill. Um, but really engaging in empathic listening can take a lot of work. Um, and it's more involved, you know, than just kind of, you know, sitting there and listening to someone. So um, empathic listening, we're really as, um, you know, a clinician, um, you're um, really listening not only for the content of what that person's saying, but trying to like really key into what um, their inflection, their tone, what's that showing about their emotions, what are they conveying in their body language. Um, and you're also trying to kind of mirror their body language as well to sort of kind of build that rapport and kind of build that alliance with them. Um, so in that empathic listening, hopefully you can, um, you know, kind of be showing that you are genuinely interested in what they're having to say, what they're talking to you about, and you're showing, you're conveying that not only through kind of like your reflection back to them, um, but you're also conveying that through um, your body language um, and um, through kind of your, your understanding of that. Um, and it really takes a lot of energy to be fully present in that. Um, and that's a huge piece of that therapeutic rapport. Um, just because I think, you know, in our world, uh, a lot of people don't have that opportunity to really sit down in front of someone who's giving them their full attention and really fully listening to them. So that's a huge piece. Um, kind of the next piece of that rapport building um, I would say is meeting the client where they're at. So I feel like, um, I know I've heard Josh talk about this, you know, as it relates to PT. Um, but we talk about that a lot as well in sort of my field. So, um, you know, obviously if I've got a client that comes in to see me and I know that, Hey, they need to go through, you know, such and such curriculum. I know they're here because they need to go through our recovery management curriculum or they need this type of counseling. Um, but you know, one of the only things they're able to identify that they want to work on is like, Hey, you know what? I want to get a job. Um, what I'm going to do with that client is I'm going to kind of hear them. I'm going to, um, see where they're at and I'm going to say, you know what, we're going to start kind of where you want to start. So, and from there I can slowly incorporate in those other pieces. Um, so really hearing, um, that patient or that client and identifying that you're, you kind of know where they're coming from and you're willing to start where they are, um, is a huge piece. Um, the last piece, um, kind of for that therapeutic rapport, um, is also identifying like their, um, 
internal motivation for change. So, um, you know, um, there's a difference between, right, like when we think about like external motivation versus that internal motivation. I see a lot of clients um, that come, you know, to see me that maybe their parents have suggested that they come or schools told them to come. Um, and so, you know, maybe they're motivated to work on something because of, you know, whoever's referred them to come see me. Um, but it's really important to identify, okay, um, what's their internal reason or their internal motivation for that? So what do they really want to get out of this experience? And being able to identify that is a huge way to build that alliance with that client or that patient. Boom, knowledge bombs left and right. And I love, um, I love all that because it does translate so much over to what we do, um, both in from the PT standpoint and the strength conditioning side. Um, from a PT side, when, when I hear you talk about uh, that first point, that empathic listening um, and really being present and actually showing the person that you're actually you know, there for them and actually really listening and understanding and able to respond and you know, the way that your body language, um, you know, how that reflects you know, how you know, they perceive you as a listener, um, that's huge because you know, in a lot of PT, you know, we're fortunate, we get an hour with patients, right? A whole hour to sit there and, and go through and listen for as long as, as actually is needed, right? Where the average physician visit is under 10 minutes. It's, it's not very long. So uh, a lot of times in the healthcare world, they're not getting that time with someone who sits there, really listens and shows them that they care. So that's, that's such a huge portion of it. And especially from like a health and a health and wellness standpoint too, I get people come to me and they've been trying to, you know, lose weight for 10 years or they've, you know, they're just not, they're just generally unhappy and they, they just are so lost and they're just looking for someone that's able to listen to them, hear their concerns and show them that, Hey, you have somebody who's on your side. Um, so I think that that that's huge and such a carryover there. And that's why I love chatting about this too. Um, and I love what you talked about. It's like finding what motivates them, you know, and what, what's their internal uh, intrinsic motivation for being there and wanting change. Because uh, for me, I'd use that a ton um, with uh, clients and patients in that, you know, for me, maybe somebody's having trouble with, say, attendance in the gym. They're just not coming as often as, you know, we had talked about and they're not seeing a progress and they're using their kids, say, say they have kids and they're using their, their kids uh, activities and events as, say, their, their excuse for not being there, right? Which is a legitimate thing. You know, I had three sisters. My parents were running everywhere, right? So um, three sisters and me, they took us everywhere. But um, the way I'm going to use that is I'm going to turn around and reframe how what we're doing in the gym is going to set them up for success with their kids, how it's going to set a great example, how it's going to allow them to, to be able to, to, you know, go out in the backyard and help so-and-so with their, with their soccer game, not just take them to practice. And, and you know, and how, how can I use what is important to them as kind of a motivator or frame it in a certain way? Um, so I think there's a ton of carryover there. And I think those three points are, are really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think kind of just piggybacking off of um, kind of talking about that, um, meeting the client where they're at and identifying that like internal motivation. Um, you know, that sometimes that takes a lot of like kind of motivational interviewing to get there. So, you know, a lot of what I do too is um, using motivational interviewing and sort of a variation of that that we call MET or motivation enhancement therapy. Um, that's really sort of um, using lots of like kind of those open-ended questions and identifying sort of like that change talk and being able to work from what you hear them 
like what or kind of what you grasp is, um, you know, any sort of change you hear them talking about and figuring out how you can use kind of like that little piece to um, get them to develop that internal motivation. Um, and that definitely takes a lot of time. No, I love it. I think it's so important to, to go over that and feel confident in this area as a clinician or as a strength conditioning coach, even you've got to find a way to make a connection with that person. Um, you know, that's, you know, you can have the perfect treatment plan, the exact perfect thing from, from a, you know, again, somebody you're working with from, that has a substance abuse issue all the way to somebody for me, that's trying to go to the CrossFit games or a patient that's coming back from, uh, you know, an injury, but it, you know, if they, can't you know if it's not the perfect it could be the perfect program but if they're not bought into it and they don't believe in it and they don't see that you are invested in them they're probably not going to get that much out of it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um and you know yeah same thing you know applies true for um for treatment if we're thinking about you know um treatment related to like trauma focused services or um you know um substance use treatment um absolutely the same thing is true yeah, and so um, I kind of want to transition into the next topic that I wanted to make sure that we touched on because you and I have this conversation a lot, and it, it's something that that we as clinicians and and you know people in the health and wellness space struggle with is yeah maybe we've we've done this first part we've created this relationship we think we have a great plan in place the person seems to be bought in and for some reason they are just not making those behavior changes that we really expected or need to see of them, right? And, you know, we have kind of the plan laid out for them. We've talked to them. They seem bought in. You can tell that we are invested in them. We've created this great relationship. There's great communication. But for some reason, it's just not happening. Um, So what are some techniques that you'll use with individuals, maybe in that situation, but also just in general, to really help create that behavior change? Yeah, um, I think that's a great question. And that's something that I definitely run into a lot in my work as well. So someone, um, you know, working with a client where you've built that therapeutic rapport and they're coming consistently, um, but you're not necessarily maybe seeing the progress that you're looking for, or maybe the progress isn't as quickly um, as you hoped it would be. And so I think first and foremost, identifying what those barriers are are really important. Um, And that can be really tricky. So um, I think, again, that that's where you may need some like motivational interviewing, just kind of exploring with that client um, what's going on and what's getting in the way. I think the good news is when you have that therapeutic rapport, you can sort of have then those more candid conversations about what seems to really be a barrier there. Um, and sometimes the client doesn't know what that barrier is. And so it's it can be kind of tricky to kind of piece out what that looks like. Um, and that can take some time. A lot of times, um, it might be that you kind of need to like sort of figure out what those discrepancies are and almost like use what we call sort of a reality therapy, which is where we kind of like almost sort of use a little bit of, um, confrontation to identify like, Hey, this is something, you know, your action here, um, isn't lining up with your end goal that you're looking for. So, um, helping the client, um, to kind of see that, um, without like, you know, upfront kind of telling them that it's really important to help them come to that conclusion on their own. So that's, again, why, um, you know, the use of motivational interviewing can be really good as well. Um, Another thing that we talk a lot about in the world of counseling, substance use treatment is what we call the stages of change. Um, And just real quickly, those stages look like um, pre-contemplation where someone, um, you know, obviously isn't in that 
um, place where they're considering that change, that contemplation stage, um, that preparation stage, um, that action stage, and maintenance stage. And so a lot of times we use the stages of change to um, really help uh, a patient identify where they are within the change process. That can be super helpful to them so they have an understanding of um, you know, where they are and what they need to make it to that next stage of change. So sometimes I will actually like pull up a sheet of paper or, um, you know, a slide that has all those stages of change, um, on it and ask, um, that client or that patient to identify for me where they are within that change process. And that can be huge, um, both for that patient to see, but also for me as a clinician to see. So I know how I can kind of best serve that client going forward. No, I love that. I think, um, you made some really good points there about helping them realize and come to the conclusion that the their actions and what they're actually doing isn't lining up with what they tell me or we've established as their goals are. And that is huge in the health and wellness space. Um, we're in the client who has maybe weight loss goal or has a performance goal or something like that. They're telling me they want to, you know, qualify for this big event. And then we're, we're going through their, their sleep and their nutrition log. And it's like they are constantly, you know, under sleeping and under fueling or, or whatever it might be. And you're like, well, you know, you know, how much sleep do you think you need to be getting or how much sleep do we talk about you're getting and, and like, you know, grind, well, what is the most important factor of performance, getting them to arrive at sleep and then say, okay, well, let's look into your sleep. And it's, it's so much, you're right, so much more beneficial when they come to that conclusion rather than me telling them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a huge um, kind of tool as a clinician to have and to learn about. Um, you know, it can be really easy to just kind of like give that answer or want to share that answer. Um, and so I know that's something that's um, I've really had to learn as a clinician is just kind of um, giving um, yourself and that patient enough time to help them get to that conclusion on their own when they sort of kind of then they come to that point where they kind of have that aha moment where they say, you know what, like that, you know, that doesn't align with what we've identified that I really want to work on or what my goal looks like in the end. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned that there are like stages to change and that it's not always a zero to a hundred real quick kind of thing. Um, and cause that's a huge part too, when you're trying to deal with behavior changes for me, a lot of times I tend to focus on like, what is you know, maybe one habit, habit-based change or something that I can, that I think that they will be able to complete to kind of start building that success and trying to set them up for that success. Give them something where they're not going to constantly be failing. If I throw too much at them, you know, there's somebody who, you know, they eat out in 18 of their 21 meals a week and I give them this, this extensive meal plan that they all are prepping at home, like that's probably not going to work, right? So um, for me, a lot of times I have to back down or I see the need to maybe back down from everything that I want them to do and pick, you know, what is going to be the biggest bang for my buck? What is something that I am confident that they'll be able to do that I know I can build off of? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. We, um, you know, we use a lot of times like SMART goals um, where we really make sure that the client or the patient, um, you know, has realistic goals that are attainable, making sure like they're moving through that change process. I think it's really important to also like validate that client or that patient and where they're at. You know, everything, everyone moves through um, those stages of change at a different point um, and like kind of within a different timeline. And so I think it's also really important to validate that and to, um, you know, let your client or your patient know that like, hey, where you are is, you know, perfectly okay. And um, the goal is to just kind of con 
make sure that you're continually moving and focusing on that that goal um, and making sure that's an, that's a goal that's truly achievable um, and that sort of has smaller objectives to it so that your client can kind of continue to have that internal motivation by seeing those small steps and those small changes that they are making. Well, there you go. Uh, again, some great points there about how you can create better relationships with the people that you're working with and, and showing them that you actually care and you're really listening and you're there to help them. So, uh, Kels, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to uh, be a guest on the podcast. Yeah, and that was so last minute. I think I turned over to you while you were sitting on the couch and I was like, hey, you want to come on the podcast tonight? <laughs> so I appreciate you being uh, up for it and game for it. Um, again, these are some conversations that uh, you know I know that we're lucky to have uh, to bounce ideas off each other. I'm glad that the listeners get to hear some of it too. If you have questions, send them my way and I can pass them along to Kels uh, while we're watching something on TV that she's making me watch that I don't want to. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll pass them along and, and we'll answer them. Uh, again, a couple of announcements. Uh, they have a couple courses coming up, body tempering in November and again in January we're about to announce dates for a strength conditioning in the clinic course too so uh, again we appreciate y'all tuning in and following along and we'll catch y'all next Monday and one last thing if you like the episode please head on over to iTunes subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review that way we can reach more people and if you have any questions, a topic that you want us to cover, or maybe a person that you think we should interview, hit us up on Instagram at Better Faster Podcast. You can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows at Vertex PT and at Vertex Strength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.